Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In today's show, we have the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are F1's back on track. Aston starts the season not a stroll in the park. Ferrari restructure, changes emerge for F1, and details emerge for F1 Academy. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every week we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm still your host, James McKenzie, and I'm still happily joined by Sam and Abby. Abby, how's it going? It's going well, thank you, because we finally got to see some F1 cars actually going around on track in Bahrain. So I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Um, And how is our resident poet laureate? Stop it. Um, I'm good. I'm good. It's a Thursday. It's thrown my whole routine out of whack. But yeah, I'm glad to hear you're well, James. Uh, yeah, it is a Thursday. So yeah, apologies if anyone was waiting with bated breath for uh, for our show as normal on Wednesday. But you know, we thought we thought we'd wait and get one day of testing in for you to talk about because rude not to, isn't it? And of course, that is the obvious place to start. Uh, because Formula One has started. Yes, after what's felt like a very long winter, especially with last season's early finish for the World Cup, the cars of 2023 hit the track this morning for day one of pre-season testing at the Bahrain International Circuit in Sakir. World champion Max Verstappen topped the times and completed the most laps. Abby, do you want to take us through some of the other main points? Yes. So, obviously, Red Bull only ran Max as their driver for today. All other drivers drove apart from Lance Stroll, who unfortunately had to sit out, and it was Felipe Dragovic who took his place. But there were some interesting things to note. The ride height of the cars is a lot higher this year. I think it's 15 millimetres. It's been raised because of the pool poising. So they will lose pace slightly. We had, uh, well, one thing was the Haas pit wall, which is deliberately smaller, which apparently is to save the costs, as Crofty pointed out, I think it was. 
But also the tyres, we see six tyres this year, six compounds. We have the C0 compound added, which is actually the same as 2022's C1 compound and 2023's C1 compound is the new compound, which can get very confusing. Even the guys in the commentary box were getting confused with all that. So just so I've got this right, C0 is last year's C1. This year's C1 is a brand new compound. So two, three, four and five are the same as last year, essentially. Yes, that's correct. Basically, C1 is C1.5. Yeah. Why have you then thrown in a percentage point? (laughs) (laughs) Like a half, you know, it's like you don't want the clarity here, James. I want the I want all the colours we used to have back. That was fun. Remember when they were like running out of visibly running out of colours and like, well, now this one's magenta. It was, but also having that many compounds available for the teams because yeah, you basically had to decide what you went for in the range. Apparently, from a strategic point of view, it was an absolute nightmare for the teams, especially when they have to submit their choices so far in advance. So actually just having the three declared for them and then just they decide their you know specific allocation, I think is a lot easier uh, for the teams. Uh, but yeah, I, I do miss the the colourful colours. <laughs> I do miss the colourful wheels and tyres that we uh, used to have. Well, we did see some colourful cars on track. We saw the McLaren, which unfortunately the team didn't have a very good day one of testing. They did have some issues on Lando Norris's wheel brows. They was they were seen putting tape on it, and he did he did finally manage to get some running time on the circuit, but he was delayed because of that issue. In the morning session, we did see a red flag because Felipe Dragovic suffered an electrical issue in the Aston Martin, which did take a while to fix. But overall, I'd say Aston Martin had a pretty good day as Fernando Alonso finished second out of all the drivers. He completed 60 laps. And we also saw some cars pool poisoning, but it wasn't the Mercedes that was pool poisoning. We saw Verstappen and Hulkenberg and Sainz all suffering from a little bit of bouncing, which was interesting. But it was, obviously you have to take testing with a pinch of salt because teams are all running different setups and everything, different types of strategy. And it is, day one is mainly about data gathering. And whilst last year Verstappen did go fastest in testing and then he did win the championship and that has happened this year, I think there's a lot of promise from all the cars that we've seen today. Well, it's interesting to see, yeah, Verstappen porpoising because that, I mean, that was never something that Red Bull suffered with last year. I, I, they were the only team I think who basically never had to deal with it. So for them to uh, to have suddenly, yeah, s- I don't know, just found themselves with this problem on a Defense, car that should yeah. be getting better. The only thing I can think of is that they've not. It's not been an issue for them. I don't think it's regressed or it's developed into the into the car by accident. I think they've they were maybe just being a little bit more aggressive because they're starting from a point where it isn't an issue. So they can they can experiment a little bit more, even on the first day of testing where some of the other teams cannot. So that is potentially why we've seen more porpoising from, from them today and also why they are just clearly looking very, very comfortable uh, at the, the top of the uh, time board. In fact, Lawrence Barreto, um, the F1 
journalist was saying that he he saw saw Max Verstappen this, this evening in Bahrain after the session and had had never seen Verstappen looking so confident after a, a day of testing. So, yeah, be on high alert if you're further down the F1 pecking order because it could be a long, long season again for you. There weren't really any major talking points, just the reliability issues of the Aston Martin, which was surprising to see considering they didn't really suffer many last year and they have this whole Aston Martin project that will see them being championship winning teams. But it was good to say. One thing I did notice was the Mercedes and the Ferrari on track. There was a social media post of them side by side and it had both cars cut in half and then pushed together. And they are very different designs. The Ferrari is much wider than the Mercedes, which is interesting because obviously the cars have the same set of regulations, but the designs are completely different. But the Mercedes does look very, very cool on track, as I know fans voted it the, their favourite livery, as F1 reported, and we reported as well. Um, but it does look very cool. Yep. We do speak for the people. Uh, but you touched on Aston there. And yeah, I mean, they obviously had a tough start to the day. Um, they sorted that out, but they've had a start, uh, they've had a tough start to the season as well. Sam, do you want to tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so you're probably more than aware by now, but Lance Stroll is out for Bahrain testing. Uh, there was a, a cryptic social media post um, or announcement earlier in the week where he declared that he'd basically had an accident on his bike. Um, didn't go into to much more detail than that. Uh, yeah, essentially in prep for the season, he's injured himself and he's looking to get back, uh, you know, car fit, race fit, match fit, whatever the equivalent is in F1 um, as soon as possible. We then later were told that it would be Felipe Drogovic who would be stepping in for him, at least in the, the first day of testing, or at least, you know, for part of testing. There was, of course, the uh, the chance that Alonso could just do all three days. Norris did that last year when, when Ricardo was ill. So that's not unprecedented. And also, Alonso had, at the actual launch for the Aston Martin this year, said that he felt one and a half days testing was just not enough to get up to speed with a new car in a new team. So interesting they didn't take that opportunity there. I guess they want to kind of hedge their bets with Bahrain being only a week away the first round. Who do you have in the car? Van Dorn wasn't available for testing this weekend because he was in he is in Cape Town for the E-Pre. So therefore it was Drogovic. But that doesn't necessarily mean Drogovic will be the one in the car next weekend if Lance Stroll can't race. There is a good chance it is Van Dorn, even though he has less mileage in a modern day F1 car, he is obviously seen as the more experienced driver. So do you guys feel that it's, they'll, you know, do you think they'll go for Drogovic over, um, do you think they'll go for Drogovic over Van Dorn? Do you think that's fair? Do you think it's a bit harsh on Drogovic? Um, and also what do you think of Stroll's social media message? Do you think it was enough information? Should he give him more? With regards to the social media message, I think, he gave the right amount of information that he wanted to. He's not entitled to reveal every detail about an accident. I think that's personal to the driver. If they want to broadcast that, they can. If they don't, that's fine. There shouldn't be a discussion of people wanting to know any more than what the driver hasn't given. Um, it was good to see Dragovic in the car. Obviously, F2 champion last year. It was good to see him in an F1 car. 
as you said, Sam, Van Dorn wasn't available this weekend. I think Aston are testing day by day whether Stroll will be fit enough to return for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Stroll said that he is very motivated to bounce back from his injury and get back into the car and start racing. I do feel that the team will choose Van Dorn over Drogovic, though. I think Drogovic maybe needs a bit more experience in an F1 car. He has only had the morning session of testing and pre postseason tests last year. I feel like they will go with the experienced driver and maybe put Dragovic in some FP1 sessions this year. But he is part of the driver academy and the reserve driver. So I think it's the toss-up between both. It's down to who Aston Martin feel will give the better results, I think. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like not knowing about accidents, we still don't know what happened to Fernando Alonso in that mystery pre-season test with the McLaren however long ago now what eight years or something uh yeah he's yeah under no obligation to to tell everyone exactly what happened as for yeah Drogovic I think it'll be an interesting one I mean would do you think this is maybe the best time to to make your debut like when you've done the same amount of pre-season testing as everyone else and you're getting into a car that is new to you and your teammates is that better? Well, that's the thing, right? Surely, and I know Williams ran Logan Sargent a lot towards the end of last season in pursuit of those final few super license points, but surely Drogovic has a comparable amount of, of experience in an F1 car to someone like Logan Sargent, who is is obviously making his, his F1 debut next weekend. And Drogovic is the F2 champion. Let's, he's no slouch, let's face it. So I think... Yeah, I, th- I think he is more than ready uh, for that opportunity if it does come knocking. Uh, with regards to Stroll, what we do know, and it was kind of broken f- first, the news this is, um, that he has a wrist injury, uh, which has been confirmed by Mike Crack. Some people are suggesting it's a double wrist injury, so left and right arm. But who knows at this stage? Obviously, that makes things a little bit more difficult, uh, You know, trying to turn a steering wheel. F1 cars obviously do have power steering, so it's not like trying to wrestle an F2 car around the tracks or a Formula E car. It's not quite as um, an ask in that sense. Yeah, I don't know. I hope to see Drogovic in the car, but I do understand that the team need to make the decision they think is best. And if they go with Stoffel, they go with Stoffel. I would like to see Drogovic in the car as well, because as you said, James, having it the first round of the season everyone is in the same boat with the new cars. So that is the best place for Drogovic to make his debut because if it's later on in the season and you have Alonso performing incredibly well and scoring points in every race and that and Drogovic comes in and if he doesn't perform quite as well, then there will be that comparison of is Drogovic not that good or whatever because it, the comparison would be so big. So having him this weekend or next weekend would be best and it would be good to see him in enough like do a Grand Prix because he is the F2 champion he dominated last season and he does deserve an F1 drive there just aren't enough spaces on the grid at the moment in time unfortunately yeah absolutely uh, I think as well I think it'd be harsh to judge him on the on that one race he's gone through the whole of pre-season not expecting to be in the car it's a quick turnaround. And obviously F1 drivers are mentally always kind of there, ready to go. Mick Schumacher was saying that he will definitely take that approach this season as a Mercedes reserve driver. 
but I think it would be a big ask or, you know, it would be unfair of people to, you know, cast the die on one Grand Prix that, like, that Drogovic wasn't expecting a few weeks ago to be racing in, if that is the case. It would just be weird it not being Hulk if someone is a super sub. I'm just so used to it being him. Maybe he'll leave Haas and then we'll get someone else in the Haas. Mick Schumacher. There you go. We're moving on to Ferrari and some restructuring at Maranello. It's been revealed by motorsport.com that strategy chief Inaki Rueda will be moving to a factory-based role. That's to support the sporting elements of the team. The move comes as a part of a restructuring effort following the Scuderia's ultimately disappointing 2022 season, where an abundance of poor strategy calls and an unreliable engine saw them go from fighting for both championships to barely clinging on to second place in the constructors by the end of the season. Raider will now take a factory position to support the sporting elements of the team with Ravin Jain taking over as strategy chief. Uh, I hope I said those names right. I don't think I've ever actually heard them read out loud before, but irrelevant of that. What do you guys think? Do you think this is the right call? Do you think it needed to happen? It's obviously, you know, a bit of a statement perhaps from Frederick Besser. Yeah, I think it was uh, an important statement to make. And I think it was also the right decision to make out of all the areas that could do with a shakeup with Ferrari, I think it's yeah, clear there's strategy. So by making that change, you, you, you refresh things, you rejuvenate things a little bit. And, you know, surely it's the best time of the year to do that. Doing that mid-season is just a little bit chaotic. It's much like we kind of knew Bonosso was surely on his way out. They're not going to make that change midway through the year. They wait until the end of the year. I think it's realistically the same for any kind of key uh, personnel if you can avoid making that change um, at that point, you obviously do. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what could happen for Ferrari if they can put a strategy together with an undeniable uh, level of pace and also two very, very standard drivers. I agree. I think having Jane come in right now and also Vasseur, it's giving the team a fresh start before the season and... Crofty, I think, said on preseason testing, it's to take um, it's to take Rueda out of the firing line. It's not to demote him. It's to take the onus away from him because I think people are quick to blame someone when the Ferrari strategies went wrong last year, and they did have a lot of unfortunate results. They did have a lot of mishaps, but with Jane coming in, hopefully they can solve them. I think having someone new in the role, fresh blood, will help them a new set of eyes, new set of ideas. They need to do well this year. There were some strategy calls that weren't really logical and weren't smart, which are easily rectified, I think, which they need to do because they do have two really good drivers. They are a strong team, but it's just a matter of being consistent and working out those strategy calls to be the best in the race, which they didn't do last year. So hopefully with the new person coming into the role, they can actually make some progress and improvements. I hope so. It would be good for the championship. You'd imagine. We don't obviously know how things are going to work out this year. But yeah, Vassar, who obviously joined during the winter break, he previously said it was wrong to blame the season's mishaps on a singular person. He said, very often when you are speaking about strategy, it's much more of a matter of organisation than just the guy who is on the pit wall. I'm trying to understand exactly what's happened on every single mistake and what happened last year. 
and try to know if it's a matter of decision, if it's a matter of organisation or of communication. Either way, he's clearly decided something needed to be done. And hey, uh, Jane is a graduate of Oxford with a first class degree in physics and a distinction in a master's master's degree in mathematical and theoretical physics. So not bad credentials when it comes to figuring out when you should pit. Yeah, clearly no slouch, let's face it. But moving on to action away from the track, this week was the first meeting of the F1 Commission ahead of the start of the 2023 season. So there are a few talking points here, uh, a few discussions, proposals uh, from the meeting that is chaired by Stefano de Milicali, as well as the newly appointed FIA single seat director, Nicolas Tombasis. Uh, I hope again, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, he is obviously taking place um, of Mohamed Ben Salim, who is the FIA president, and also taking us and is also taking a step back from the day-to-day management with the relationship between the FIA and Formula One. So a few of those talking points are there are some proposed changes to the cost cap. So this would see the cost cap per race raised from $1.2 million to $1.8 million for every race above 21 that you have in a season. So we at 23 this year, looking likely to be 24 at least in the future. So a little bit of financial relief for the teams, uh, obviously getting down to the wire at the end of the season, increasingly more difficult. And as we know, teams have already breached the cost cap in the first year. So yeah, a little bit of respite for them in that sense. Also, there's been talk of F1 introducing a winter shutdown, similar to that that we get in the summer. Um, I, for one, was very much looking forward to uh, a nice break over the summer last year. And then on the first day, Oscar Piastri took out his phone, <laughs> opened the Twitter app and blew that dream to bits. Uh, thank you, Oscar. Uh, no, but in seriousness, <laughs> that was one of the highlights of the season for me. Um, so that's another thing that is on the table. In addition, we all know following the Japanese Grand Prix last year that the points deductions for short race, shortened races was a little bit of a grey area in the regulations. So there's been some refinements proposed there um, to basically you know, tie up some loose ends, make that more simple and straightforward. Also, there's been some discussions on wet tyres. So there is a new compound of wet tyre which will be available from the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix and it doesn't require tyre blankets. This is part of the wet weather package product uh, which is focusing on improving F1 in that area. As we know, there's a, a little bit of uh, a problem when it comes to wet races at the moment. Uh, it's very different from how things were uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago where you could run in very, very wet conditions. The spray is just too much at the moment. So yeah, good to see that the FIA and F1 are looking at addressing that area of the sport as well. What are your thoughts, guys? How do those sound? Any other things you'd like to have been discussed or is that a good starting point for the season? I think that's a good starting point. You've They've covered a lot. It's hard to keep track of everything. Um, with the cost cap, I think that is reasonable. Obviously, F1 is growing in popularity and we are seeing more and more races added to the calendar each year. And it is expensive. It's not just... It's all like the travelling and the logistics and the freight of everything that you, they have to get there. And travelling, like I'm sure we've all seen the calendar and travelling from Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi, isn't exactly logical and it won't be cheap. And I know Bruno and Michelle 
the CEO of F2 and F3, also acknowledged the cost of going to Melbourne because F2 and F3 are going there this year. And it is expensive. So for the teams to ask about having an increase in the cost cap, that is understandable. I mean, Haas have a pit bull that's three seats only, which is a lot smaller than other teams because it saves them something like $250,000 in travel to transport such a smaller pit bull. With the winter shutdown, that will be interesting because obviously the teams do a lot of development over the winter and that. But having that period, I think it is good because they do need a break. Having the summer, like you said, Sam, last year we did have Oscar Piastri and Alpine and McLaren in the news, I'm pretty sure, nearly every day, which isn't a break for them because they all have to do things over the summer. So having a winter shutdown would be good. With the wet weather tyres, it is something that has needed a It is something that has needed to be addressed. I'm glad that they're doing that. It is an interesting project, I think, if you're really into the technical side of F1. And it will be interesting to see how those how that new compound comes into play after Imola. Yeah, I don't have a huge amount to add. I think you guys have, have covered it all. It's it's all bizarrely sensible and uncontroversial, really. I'm sure it'll go wrong between now and next weekend. Someone something will happen. Such oh, yeah, well, and don't don't tempt fate, James. Like, you know, have have you know, have some faith. Yeah, but uh, you know, like Piastri you said, it'll, it'll be stuff for us to write about. So, I mean, I that tweet is potentially going to go down as the most entertaining F one related tweet, at least for a while. It's, I mean, it was it was poetic in how it was written, and take it from me as the resident. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, you know. You're probably wondering, uh, it took me ages to write that. No, I didn't actually. Um, another thing that I, I didn't mention, because it felt smaller than the other things, but there, again, have been some slight refinements to DRS zones uh, across the calendar. Um, some will have extra DRS zones, namely Australia, going back to four, which was proposed for 2022, and then reduced back down to three. Um yeah, and some will be longer. Some yeah, slight changes around there just to kind of improve racing, um, hinder or help overtaking, depending on what's required at any given circuit. Uh, so yeah, a productive meeting. Uh, well done to the F1 Commission. Well, yeah, some productivity. Now, is there the same productivity happening in the F1 Academy, Abby? Yes, there is. Lots of new details have emerged today about the new all-female series, the F1 Academy. The calendar has been confirmed. It will consist of seven rounds with 21 races in total. These rounds will begin at the end of April when the F1 Academy goes to Austria. And they will also visit Valencia and Barcelona in Spain, followed by Zandvoort and then Monza and Le Castellet. And the final round, which is Cota, which is the Grand Prix weekend, because the F1 Academy will be supporting Formula One that weekend. And that is at the end of October, which means that between the final two rounds, F1 Academy has over three months of a break, which is a very long time. F2 have just over two months, but now over three months, that is considerably large. But they have also released the championship format, so the weekend format for the season. Each weekend will consist of three races, as well as two 40-minute practice sessions and two 15-minute quali sessions. Qualifying one determines the grid for race one. 
And then for race two, the grid is determined by reversing the top eight of qualifying one. And qualifying two determines the grid of race three. Race one and three are both 30 minutes long. And race two is 20 minutes long. Lots of different numbers in what I just said, I know. But it that's, is more that's the F1 I know and love and don't understand really <laughs> for quite a while. You forgot the plus one lap as well, just to make it even more confusing okay, for people. There you go. Um, <laughs> you get two points for finishing in pole position in both qualifying sessions. And then for the races, race one and three will follow the same points system as F1. The winner gets 25 points and then 18, 15 and so on for the top 10. But race two awards 10 points for the winner, eight for second, six for third, fifth for fourth and so on. So a lot of new information with the F1 Academy, but it is very exciting. They will have two days of preseason testing in Barcelona in early April, as well as 13 other testing days throughout the season. But it's good to see all this information come out about the F1 Academy. It's good to see that it is actually starting to take place and we do have a structure in place for it. What do you guys think about it? I think it's really positive. The 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 only thing I can say that is less so is the three month wait before the the season finale. We know from F two, what I was about uh, to say as well, that, yeah. that, that even from well, even two months from usually Monza to Abu Dhabi is is quite a big wait. Obviously, there's a, there's commercial and logistical reasons why that is in place, uh, and that is decisions taken. I don't think it bothers the drivers particularly much. It gives them, you know, more time to to prep, you know, before that season finale. The rest of it, I think they've absolutely smashed it. The three-race weekend, we know that F2 and F3 obviously did it during COVID, but that was two sprint races as opposed to two feature races. So I like to see that they've improved upon that format. It also keeps costs down for the, the teams because there's, what, seven seven rounds but 21 races so in terms of actual kind of races you, it's almost an f1 season length in that sense so some really positive stuff and also the testing testing is so key this is a, a central point for, for the academy is getting the drivers in the cars getting that experience getting that mileage so really good to see that, that there'll be plenty of testing opportunities uh, for the 15 drivers on the f1 academy grid yeah i mean going back to the, the calendar it's yeah, I mean that it's great to have that many races because yeah, okay, they they might be in on, on the same track, but you know there are so many variables. We've seen in the the races that F one has had to repeat itself during COVID and and since that you can get a totally different race from one week to the next at the same track. And the whole point of, of having more races is that you know the, the cream should rise to the top. It removes the the likelihood of someone maybe just getting lucky or someone getting unlucky in a couple of rounds if it's only seven rounds long. So yeah, I think that's all good stuff. And hey, as long as they make it to Austin and have their finale, which I'm sure they will, that's fine by me. Well, Bruno Michel, who is the general manager of F1 Academy, has said that the championship's goal was to race at as many Formula One circuits as possible, which they are doing doing in their calendar but with the gap between round six and seven he said it's mainly due to the fact that they will be sending the cars and equipment by ship to save on logistical costs so i'm guessing it will be the time it takes to go from france to austin on a ship but hopefully we might see some testing throughout those throughout those three months 
I think the testing dates will be announced in soon, as well as the remaining drivers. There have been six drivers announced so far, but there are still some more to come. Yeah, absolutely. I think the American piece is, is, is key as well. Obviously, as we know, it's a growing demographic for F1. So really positive that the decision has been made that you know, the flyaway race, you know, obviously all the sail away race uh more 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 appropriately maybe is is in austin so that's that's really good also the point system very very similar to f1 f2 f3 so there's uniformity there makes it easy to understand from day one and also the stuff that they're putting out on socials very easy to understand very digestible yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it I was going to say, if you didn't understand a word of what I just said in explaining the format of the championship, visit the F1 Academy socials because it is in a lot simpler terms. Yeah, and of course, visit the uh, Formula Nerd socials as well because I'm sure we'll have some great information on it too. Uh, But yes, I think that is about all the time we have this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to those Formula Nerd socials and of course, FormulaNerds.com for the more on these for more on these stories and any others, we'll be back this weekend with the Cut to the Race podcast to let you know about the remainder of the test and make our predictions for the 2023 season. So be sure not to miss that. Until then, Sam Abbey, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, James. Now that we have our resident poet who made it clo- who made it so clear that he does indeed know it. Well, after his poem, I thought I should show him which one of the team has words overflowing. <laughs> the editor-in-chief of the formula nerds who could only manage to rhyme that word with thirds i set him a challenge and he rose to the task for the host with the most will have the last laugh so now it's lights out and mic drop and away we go until our next stop in the style of mr samuel coop i really hope this show wasn't poop thank you so much (laughs) what what are we 14 years old (laughs) well have a better surname <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, Abby, you know what's happening next week, right? But yeah. <laughs> well, funny you should say that. I actually have a published poetry book. So. Oh, my God. It's been holding out on us. <laughs> I feel like I've been one up twice in 30 seconds. I've been two up. <laughs> Unbelievable. This cuts me to my core. Uh, so, next week will just be 30 minutes of Abby reading out her, her poetry. And then. <laughs> Maybe we'll quickly say something about F1. You know what? My mum actually has a poetry book as well. Oh my gosh. She'll be be thrilled that I'm mentioning this. It's a book of poems that are moans. She's called the Moems. Yeah, Uh, I can see that coming. (laughs) Tracy Elizabeth Downing artist. She's on Instagram. Uh, But anyway, enough about my mum. So many socials to check out this year. (laughs) I know. This year, this week. Basically seven days on 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 instagram and then another new show from us yeah well i look forward to seeing you then and whatever it holds uh yeah so in non-poem form for now it is lights out mics off and away we go till then you're listening to the cut to the race podcast it's lights out and away we go Podcast Network.